Escape from Plan A. Hey listeners, here is another episode of Escape from Plan A. I am your host, Chris, or the podcaster formerly known as Oxford. And tonight I'm joined, we have quite a far-reaching this is one of those like global Plan A episodes. Jong, hey, what's up, Jong? All the way from California. Hey, what's up? A uh, long time. Uh, I mean, obviously, we talk all the time uh, online, but uh, it's, I think it's been a while since you've been on a pod. And for the listeners, Jong, he, he's one of our co-founders. He's in charge of all the just art stuff and any, anything that has to do with web design, he does for us. And actually, Jong was just, uh, just revamped our website. And I want you to say a bit about that in a little bit. So thanks for joining us, Jong. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be back. It has been a little while. Do, do you want to introduce our other guest first? Oh, yeah, for sure. To that, <laughs> yeah, for sure. We're not forgetting about you, Will, especially since you're joining us all the Don't way worry about that. all the way from the goddamn UK at 2 a.m. in the morning. Thank you so much for joining us, Will. That's all right. It's really nice to meet you guys and, to be honest, to step up to, to the plate. And to be honest, it's really grateful about what all you guys have been doing, how much you've been pushing things as well as the rest of them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, I mean, there are some episodes we do in which they're, you know, what we call evergreen topics. Uh, and then there are some episodes we do which are very timely. And the episodes we're going to do tonight is a very timely episode because we're going to talk about all this rash of violence that we've been seeing lately. Some of them not directly because of the, the coronavirus, but I'm sure they're all somehow related. Uh, and there's always been violence against Asians. Um, it just gets swept under the rug uh and uh, we've been seeing a lot of uh just anger among among asian americans and you know asians all around the world online yeah uh, so we just felt we had to pot about this so that's what this episode will be about but before we jump into that let's start off with will why don't you tell the listeners a bit more about who you are uh you know where you're from you know how old you are etc your background um well to be honest i'm pretty perplexed why you asked me to come on but Nothing really oh, much no, special. No, no. <laughs> used to be a pharmacy graduate, gone on to graduate medicine. So typical Asian stuff, typical Asian upbringing. And I'm in my mid-20s and it was mainly stumbling across you guys, I think, was during, as you said, during like the Trump era, etc. And things started to get a bit shaky. Don't know how I stumbled upon you guys, but so glad I did. Joining the community and everything, getting involved with all these things and getting up to scratch with what's going on with Asian issues, to be honest, was pretty perfect. Yeah, so where in the UK exactly are you? Did you grow up there? Were you born there? Did you immigrate there? Uh, tell us all about that. Yeah, so it was a pretty long story. So grandparents came in from, say, Hong Kong, southern China or so. They came into the UK in, what, in the 60s or so. And then my mum and dad also came along with them. So typical immigration story. Instead of choosing America or Canada, uh, they chose Britain. They ended up in the northeast in Liverpool, being um, my grandfather was a merchant shipman. And then on the other side, it was all about takeaways. And then both of them transitioned into the British take Chinese takeaway market that you see that's quite prevalent today. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, up there, what does that bad. mean? 
Well, what do you mean by the takeaway market? The takeaway market was basically as the usual things as Asians you weren't allowed to quote do proper jobs, but in Britain, with a lot of the Asian Hong Kong Cantonese population, they quickly made up lots of takeaways. Selling either Chinese food or fish and chips type stuff to the British people. Oh, I see. At restaurants. Yeah.、Oh, okay. And so you're in Liverpool right now. I'm not in Liverpool at the moment. I'm actually in Cambridge. So where all the posh people are. But yeah, a lot of my family are from the northeast. So up in Liverpool, which used to be a quite heavily populated Chinese population with the Cantonese in Hong Kong, but now with the mainland Chinese coming over in Britain and spreading out, it's Getting quite interesting and quite diverse in、I、terms、see. of East Asians as well as Southeast Asians with like the Filipinos, and then the Indians and like the Bangladeshis have always been here for quite a long time. Yeah. So yeah, growing up here was an interesting experience. Well, first of all, like congratulations, Liverpool will win. What is it? It's twentieth title, league title. Are you a fan? Do you care at all about that? Yeah. Well, growing up、uh, around with family in Liverpool, yeah, quite interested. Quite happy they'll potentially win their first Premier League cup, but again, Tottenham's also been kicking up some ass. To be honest, oh,、uh, have you been paying、well. attention? Have you been paying attention to the last last month or so? <laughs> It has been a disaster. As a whole, to be honest, with the amount of funding that you guys have got, I think that you've still been doing pretty well. I don't know. We got Kane, Kane and Son are are both out. Yeah, so it's just been severely downhill since. Uh, you ever been to Enfield? Yeah, quite、oh, a few times to be honest. With some season tickets that my uncle likes going, my grandfather likes going as well and seeing the match. Oh wow!、Cool. Yeah, that must that must be quite the quite an experience. Jong, are you are you a yeah, soccer fan? It's fun. A football fan? <laughs> you call it football? No,、huh? I don't know. I like I, I like sports. I like playing. I, I grew up playing soccer,、uh, but I, I just don't really watch much. I, I like the I really like watching the World Cup,、mm-hmm. um, but I don't really follow players or teams like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I follow the Premier League because of Son, but since he got injured, it's been too depressing.、Uh, I haven't watched,、yeah. and it's been good because、uh, the team's been doing disastrously. So it's it's good for my mental health to to kind of tune out、Just、for for a little take bit. Take some time out there. <laughs> exactly.、Yeah. So so Will, thank you so much for joining. And before we delve into the topic, as I said, Jong, I want you to. Just talk a little bit about our our new website, why we did it, what's the improvement,、uh, and etc. Yeah,、um, yeah. They,、uh... You know, I did write a quick write up on on the detailed、uh, explanation about why, but basically, in short, we were having a lot of problems with Medium. Medium was great for getting started; it was really easy.、Uh, it has a great writing experience, and it made it really easy to bring on other writers as well.、Um, but we were just having problems. It was really slow.、Uh, you know, some users were unable to reach our site entirely, just kind of randomly, and.、Um, That kind of reliability just—we've、uh, grown beyond where we were when we first started. So it seemed like an appropriate time to get a better infrastructure in place.、Uh, and in the process, we gain control over our content. So, like, if Medium were to go down, we would lose everything.、Uh, now, you know, we have proper backups, and、uh, we're not beholden to the whims of any platform. And、uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Medium gave us no control over the layout and the, the design, the aesthetics, our branding.、Um, I hated how every time you try to visit on mobile, they try and push the app on you.、Uh, all these little things. 
And so we moved to a self-hosted, um, a self-hosted ghost instance. Ghost is an open source, uh, software for publishing. And it's basically a content management system built on Node.js. And, uh, it's way faster. Yeah, and the site looks beautiful now Thanks. too. I mean, the old site I thought was okay. The weird thing though is that that's just a, I think that's the one and only look you can have, right? And there are actually other magazines, magazines that are like, you know, more quote unquote official than ours, uh, created by, uh, you know, published uh, writers and stuff. But the weird thing is they look exact, the format looks exactly like ours. So it was like looking at a, a parallel universe plan A with like a different you know, name and it, but, but the layout looks customized it in any way. Uh, but now, as I said, uh, it, it looks great. Yeah. So, John, I know. Oh, yeah, John, I know how much work. Actually, I don't know how much work went into. It. I I just know it must have taken a, a lot of of work. But you know, I I don't know coding or anything. So, but uh, thank you so much <laughs> for doing that. And you know, I, I'm I'm glad we finally did it. We've been talking about it for a long time. But it's like the sooner you do it, the, the better it'll be because. You know, it, it like you know, the more you wait, the more people get used to it, and and whatever. But just rip off the bandaid. Yeah, I think you've been doing a great job, to be honest. It's been a good job. I've had a look at the mobile site, and it's pretty smooth, to be honest. It looks nice. Uh, it looks great. Yeah, and and the and the greatest thing what and and the greatest thing was we've got some pretty good placing on Google. Like if you search certain terms, like our articles are in like some of like top three, if not the top hit. And this did not change that one yeah. bit. You still clicked on that. It just takes you to the new website. Totally seamless. So that was beautiful. All right. So moving on to the main topic of this pod, there's a specific reason I wanted both of you guys to be on. We actually wanted Fan, Fan Lee, who's been on uh, a couple of episodes before, most recently episode 117 uh, called, uh, you know, Go Bernie on the Eve of Iowa. And then 148, which was Andrew Yang and the Politics of Appeasement. She also has a great podcast called Pod of Most Resistance, which we also have hosted on our site as well. Uh, she was supposed to join us. She was really excited, but she wasn't. Uh, she was feeling a little too tired to join us because it is a bit late on a Sunday we're doing this. Uh, so, Fan, uh, we really wish you were here, but I'm sure we'll revisit this topic again because I'm sure some more shit's going to happen. We all know it is. But uh, we just felt we had to do this now because this is a very timely topic because... You know, in the last week or so, there was um, that much publicized attack in San Francisco in which the uh, elderly Asian man who was collecting cans was harassed by what looked like, I don't know, like 20 kids. Uh, in, and one of them explicitly says something like, uh, you know, I, I fucking hate Asians. Uh, there's been stuff going on in the New York subway. There was like one guy who got like Febreze sprayed on him and he was told to move. Um, there have been a couple of incidents in the Netherlands, one involving a Chinese woman who I think had a racist song sung to her. And a Korean woman who I who was a translator at The Hague was, I think, punched while she was riding a bicycle by a couple of guys. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was fucked up. There was an attack in the Philly subway. I don't know if this was related to the coronavirus thing because, I mean, there's there's been a problem in Philly for many years now. Uh, so it, it could have been independent of that. And then there was a, a thing in the UK where this uh, Singaporean, I think, uh student maybe um, named Jonathan Mott yeah, posted Singapore something on, student. Yeah. He posted on Facebook where he was ganged up on by like five, six people. And these fuckers always gang up. It's never one on one, right? It's always like six people uh gang up on someone. Usually someone like elderly or or like a woman or, or some bullshit like that. These 
cowardly fuckers. Uh, so you know that's yeah. that's just the most uh, publicized ones. I'm sure there's more stuff that haven't uh, made it to news, or it's it's just more like harassment as opposed to just like a full down uh, assault. So I I asked you guys to be on because Jong and Will, you both have experience getting into fights for being Asian. I personally don't. Uh, you know, I I barely even have memories of of being like outright bullied. But I know there are a lot of Asian kids out there, you know, male, female, who have experienced physical and just outright like verbal, uh, you know, assaults. So I wanted you guys, let, let's start off with some some like personal stories uh, of yours. But actually, before we start that, there's one thing I want to say. I hope this once and for all just, just shuts up, shuts the fuck up of those pedantic dorks who are always like, well, you know, you know, Asian also includes, uh, you know, all, you know, everybody in, in the whole geographical continent of Asia. Because w- when they have, when there's anti-Asian sentiment regarding this coronavirus, they're not picking on anybody from, like, say, Iran. You know, Iran's technically part of Asia. You know, I mean, like, hell, they're they're part of the Asian uh, footballing confederation. But Asian means yellow, okay? That's what people mean. And I don't give a flying fuck about the dictionary definition or, or, you know, whatever. This means, like, looking Chinese, whatever that means, in like the Western yeah. world, okay. So let's st- stop that fucking debate once and for all, because because when we need to talk about things like this, we need to know what words mean, and they just cloud it all up. That's absolutely true, but it gets a little confusing uh, over the UK. Oh yeah, that's true well. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it totally does. I have some um, friends from Canada as well. They're thinking Asian. It's normally related, like you said, Asians either yellow, but in the British context, Asians to do with South Asians. So you're talking about your Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, Indians, etc. Yeah, well, actually, what do they call? What do they just call like Chinese? I, I, is there any other like yellow Asian uh, ethnicity no. besides Chinese? Guess what? Not, we no? take in the ethnicity box. Uh, Oriental. We take other. Oh, really? Oh, the really? fucking other box, and then, then you've got other, <laughs> and then it's either Chinese and Japanese or Korean. And that's fucked up. But I don't know, but in my context, luckily, like you said, I was growing up with a lot of different kinds of friends. And for the most part, Asian in our little group actually meant Asian in the same context in North America. But we oh, just lumped all the Bangladeshi friends, Indian friends, etc. We were just all in Asian. Whether that be Filipino, yeah. Yeah, Chinese, or Indian, etc. Yeah, but in the British sense, uh, Asian usually means like Indian, Pakistani, yeah. Bangladeshi, right? And then I think if you're like yellow Asian, they'll, they'll just call you Chinese or Oriental or as you said, other. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. Like you said, uh, so either Asian will mean your South Asian groups. And then like you said, normally it's either like an other slash Oriental. Yeah. And I, and I think that speaks to the di- very different racial stereotypes, yeah. right? Because there is this stereotype of yellow people as kind of like disgusting and disease-ridden who eat everything that does not really pertain to say like uh brown asians uh under which like uh iranians uh you know slash persian people fall into they got their own uh fucked up stereotypes to deal with but the it's different and and we gotta you know it's not wrong to acknowledge that because it helps us discuss these problems that we're seeing so i just want to get that out of the way all right, Jong and Will, let's move on to your stories. Uh, Will, since you're the guest, why don't we start with you? Like you, you've told us uh, some some pretty bad stuff that happened to you while you oh, grew up. Damn. Right? So where the hell do I start, man? <laughs> um, let's go back to my parents when they used to own the takeaway. 
a lot of fucked up oh. shit going on in there. Like you said, in Liverpool, for example, initially they could be come from the Cantonese, Southern Hong Kong, Asian background. Like you said, so all the seafood stuff where they eating anything that either not a chair or some fucking table or something. But as you said, um, initially their stereotypes was what is like you said. Are they selling dog? Are they selling bats? Etc. Some sort of weird fucked up thing. And my parents, like, they put up with a lot of shit, to be honest, in England. It's like, there's so many other stories, things like you said, they got called Chink, they got called Ching Chong. But then, like, these are your customers and there's not much that you can do about it, especially as from a first immigrant perspective. But then for some reason, like, I don't know why my family seems to be a bit more, um, less lenient upon these things and I also will fight back. Like, just remembering my stories from my mum, she was like quite young, around 16, when someone just like said all that shit against uh, my grandparents, etc. She would get the cleaver out and chase them down the road. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, my mum's actually surprising badass for the amount of rap that I actually seem to give her, but... And then the same fit, the same thing with my dad's ends, etc. The amount of shit that I managed to bottle with, but luckily in those times too, same with say like in America you've got let's say like the six two six, etc. There was a decent sized population in Liverpool where you still had the Chinatown communities to fall back on, but there was so much shit. Like my dad had primary schools and basically it was race wars between like the blacks and the white people and the Chinese people. And it was like, well, he went to a bad comprehensive school where some of them actually went to join like some of the triads, but we'll keep that keep that one quiet. And um, fast forward to us, we went down to say southeast of England, say down in Cambridge eventually when me and my brother were born. Same similar shit to be honest. To be honest, I would argue that I'm, we're still quite lucky, because like I said, I have friends either white, black, Indian, etc. But there was still some shit, like you said, either you get stereotyped as weak, you get stereotyped as either too girly, small dicks, etc. Ching chong shit. But I would say personally as well, like I said, I had my friends and luckily I still had my family that wouldn't put up with any shit. And to be honest, I would say the main component was my brother looking out for me as well. Was Is he so, your older brother? Yeah, he's about he's two and a bit years older. But me and him, we were like solid as a rock, luckily. Oh, that's so nice I have always had my that's first nice. initial family to fall back on, depending. And I think the main yeah. things were... I think my main initial fight was... I think when I was at 13 or so. Damn. Basically, what well, we have chat, we have the chats. So which are like your thugs, etc. Just remember him calling me Ching Chong. And it was literally chasing him down the road. Okay, so uh, paint paint the scene for us. You you're just walking down the street, and then yeah, this... we'll just be walking down the street, minding our own business, and then Ching Chong comes out, etc. Mm -hmm. With all those stupid slanders, etc. That normally come out, but instead of the thing is like I said, instead of reacting it and keeping your head down, not say anything, me, my brother, etc. My family, we'd all just fucking run after them. <laughs> Like your mom too. And then that cleaver up. Put them into fucking hospital. Yeah. So Will, you chase them down. Uh, what do they do? Do they do they start running? Do do they? They like... start fucking booking it. 
Because, <laughs> it was like I said, you never seen a, seen an Asian person with any teeth. So for, for the most part of it, we just call you motherfucker, I'm coming after you, and you sprint after them. Most of the times they'll try and chase you down, even if it's groups, though. That's the thing as well. I don't think me and my brother actually cared that much about getting hurt. I think we were just a bit like, um, something's wrong in our heads. Well, we didn't give a shit. If someone <laughs> said any racist shit with Ching Chong and said Joe, we would be like bulls, like bulls seeing red. There's an element of, uh, it's like, you know that you can get hurt, but you just don't feel like it's, you, you've got much to lose. Yeah, there. exactly. Like, it's like, what have you got to lose? Like you said, if you stand down, then they'll just keep coming at you. But it's like my dad said, even if you might get beaten up, at least you know that they, you can dish it out and they'll think twice about it. Yeah, right. they definitely do. And like, that's I, the whole thing. Like, I don't want to talk too much about fights because I've never gotten into a fight. Uh, the closest I ever got to was I was at a bar in college and this like, drunken guy was rude to a couple of female friends of mine and uh, we got into a shoving match. And he, he was he was like this fat dude, and he was very strong. So he like just pushed me down. But it, that was just it. That's the closest physical <laughs> altercation I've gotten into. Uh, so I don't want to be you know talking shit and all that. But and just like principle, um, even if you win a fight, uh, you can still get hurt, right? And I'm thinking that yeah. anybody who tries to instigate, um, even if they win the fight, they don't want to fight anyone who they think will fight back because they could still get hurt. Hey, you might beat up the other guy, but you can still, you know, lose a tooth or, you know, get your cheek, you know, busted open or something. So I, I do think that the, the fear of anyone fighting back, even if you think you can beat them, uh, is a deterrence. It's, yeah, I think it's definitely true. Like you said, you've got to pick your battles. You've got to be careful, especially nowadays. Everyone's <clears throat> carrying, like, knives in Britain. In America, you've got, like, guns and shit, so... Uh, so, Will, have you ever gotten into a situation where, like, blades or, or worse have, have entered got the picture? I got a bat. Jeez. But it was like a little rounder's bat, basically. It's like a small little version of a baseball bat, like a one-handed one. It was right. basically, there was sometimes, I think, initial one, because he was making fun of my friend. Like, he was Mauritius, like brown Mauritius. I don't know what, but like after school, whatever he said to my friend just pissed me off, and I, I was the one that come to be honest instigated the fight. I kicked him in the stomach, and afterwards I smashed his face in the locker, and Jeez. after that <laughs> he punched me. So yeah. who at the bat? You or you or him? Um, that was that's coming after that, and then after that, I ended up punching him, breaking his nose. But because I was like on the orchestra, I had like the best grades, etc. When he, his blood was streaming, he was crying out. Like well, the teacher just sent me home. And then I was just like, mom, yeah, I'm in a fight. And my mom's like, oh, okay. But then it was after that, when I broke his nose and he came in with two black eyes, it was actually all his bigger friends that came in through it too. Right. And that's what you got to be careful about, like you were saying, Oxford. And after that, it was like, you beat someone up, you're not sure if they're going to get their big brother on them, or you're going to get jumped by, like, two or more people. Right, right. And then after that, some yeah. goons heard about it, and I was in, like, minding myself walking down through the town and coming back home. And that's when it started jumping me, and that's when I got hit in the head. And luckily, I'm passing off to my mum. I was just like, oh, yeah, we did some stupid shit. So I had a massive welt on my face. Not as bad as Joanna in that UFC fight. 
Boy, oh yeah, shout out to that. um uh, let's take a moment. Shout out to what was her name? Like, Zhang Wei Li. Is that is that how you pronounce her name? She yeah. Yeah. Zhang she, yeah, she she dom Well, I don't know if she dominated because it, it went five rounds, so I don't think like she like but but she won she was she was taking it to her. Though. Yeah, I mean yeah. she was a clear winner, right. I think. Um uh, you just had to see their yeah. faces after the fight. Uh but it, it was apparently it was one of the best fights ever male or female uh, UFC so uh congrats to her for defending her yeah uh-huh. that's props to them uh-huh. but yeah as you were saying that is literal like you said after you get into the fight even if you win you have to watch your back for a couple of months just in case you get jumped and that's the thing if I wasn't aware of that happening and the culture of that happening in the UK I would have got jumped and I would have got smashed and then I'll be straight into hospital yeah what a fucking like bitch ass move like oh i got my ass beat fairly so i'm now gonna get revenge on you unfairly like it's fucked up yeah but, yeah. Then I mean, but that, all, that, that all happens because they're they're cowards to begin uh-huh. with yeah right so i mean yeah it's unfair definitely but i mean fair is not the name of the game exactly yeah. was, i think that was the most memorable thing and then like you said i think the most recent one was like uh, one two years ago and like I would say the most dangerous one was the one actually three years ago when I was in my first university. And then after that, like you said, we got into an altercation. I wasn't backing down. It was at the gym as well, stupidly enough. Really? How did that then, transpire? Yeah, I don't... It was basically some things like... I was quite... um had a good relationship with like the gym manager, etc. It was just being some stupid shit. There's a sign on anything. I just pointed to him out. Oh, yeah, there's a sign. You can't do this. I don't know what his problem was, but he just blew up at me. And he was like, oh, do you want to fight or whatever? And I was like, not really. But if it gets to it, my senses are going off. If I'm not looking for the fight, but if it gets to it, you have to have your hands ready. And then after that, there's not really much for an altercation. He got a bit pussy. And then he was just going off like mental and everyone at the gym was looking at him, looking at me. And apparently he got so volatile, he was apparently going to pull a blade on me. Jeez. And then that's like the time when the the gym manager literally had to lock me in a room and get like the police and stuff to escort him out. But then like you said, those are the things you literally have to look out for. Like, still not looking for that fight, even though you can easily quote take him. But when things like blades come in... Like my dad said, once you got a blade, you're instant black belt, aren't you? And then, like you said, people yeah. don't fight flat. People don't even fight fair nowadays. So you have to really watch yourself. Like you said, even if you win, what happens then? Yeah. When oh, when you like, where did you learn to fight, or did you even learn, or or did you just have to like, pretty much learn? I think it was a bit the... of both, to be honest, because okay. luckily my dad, he was like, um, he's quite well versed in say um, Shotokan Karate and stuff like that where he learned and he was like a first Dan Black Belt under Stephen Chan and all sorts um, all sorts of fancy British karate champions etc oh wow I think as well he taught us to learn how to fight again because it was literally altercations due to our what's just say white neighbours white racist neighbours yeah. uh-huh. and that's when he te- taught started teaching us to fight because we needed to defend ourselves, etc. And I think the most part, as probably John knows as well, the rest is out on the street, etc. 
And after that, we'll start picking up, say, like, bits of wrestling, bits of boxing, bits of Muay Thai, etc. And then that's where yeah. it kind of just carries on from there. And But then, like you said, nowadays, I don't think I've been in that many altercations. A bit of shouting matches, but for the most part, I haven't been in a physical altercation since, like, two years ago. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It sounds like you kind of grew up with it, yeah. right? Like, uh, just, just being in that environment kind of necessitated you to think about these things. Yeah. And, and figure out, like, what is my response going to be? It's like you said, though, initially when you're young, there's not many consequences. You beat someone up, well, like, you just leg it. Like, at most, you're going to say juvie or something like that. <laughs> but like you said, especially now, you work in healthcare, etc. Things got to be squeaky clean. And like you said, yeah. as, as you start growing up, you can't take these risks. Like you said, once you start becoming a parent, etc., you can't do this shit. Yeah. You start to have too much to lose. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. then, like you said, even if you have too much to lose, there's still times where you can like push back within sort of some sort of reason and i think the only time you like you said you're looking for a fight is when the fight comes to you and you just gotta be prepared from when that happens it's important to know who you're dealing with yeah right like you you kind of uh you get in enough confrontations and you start to figure out like oh that guy is just you know that guy's just angry but he's not really gonna exactly do something and then there's other people where you're like they may not even be yelling at you but you keep them. You keep an eye on them. Exactly. You, you know, it's like, you said, it's like you have no idea. Like some of them, like you said, they're gonna be super unstable. You don't know when like a knife's coming out or something. It's literally yeah, for like yeah. the simplest of things. Yeah, when you're dealing with somebody yeah. who doesn't have like a rational grasp of like consequences, that's probably somebody you don't wanna. Exactly. You wanna avoid. Uh, so Will, thanks, thanks for sharing all that. Uh, John, why, why don't you tell us a bit more about you know how how you grew up, uh, you know shit that you got into and and you know happened to you. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to make it seem like I grew up fighting in the streets or anything like that. I, I had a pretty, um, by, by most metrics, a privileged uh, childhood. Um, I did get you know I got bullied quite a. I don't know about a lot. It's it's hard to say because honestly I've kind of like. I've forgotten a lot about it. You know, it's not material to my life anymore. Um, and I've, I've processed a lot of it. But definitely, I was singled out a lot as a kid. And uh, I think for me, it's less about the actual the actual fights and just more about the, the confrontation leading up to it, you know? Um, Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, just uh, I, I had a huge-ass chip on my shoulder. Like, I was um i had enough going on at home that i wasn't happy and uh because of that like you look at me like you pissed me off man i'm gonna say something to you because i've already i'm already at my limit and i just didn't need any more of your shit um so you talk shit to me i'll talk shit right back and usually like that's the thing is that what i kind of figured out really early on and i think this is to a certain degree a difference in our environments, right? Because when I changed environments, things did change. Um, I was going to ask you, Will, if you noticed any kind of class component in the level of escalation. I'm sure you have. Like, uh, you know, when when you're like dealing with like kids from the middle class or whatever, most of them are just talking. They're just running their mouths. Um, but they don't actually really want it. You get, you start associating with different crowds 
And then you start coming across people who actively want it. You know, like it becomes, um, they may not wake up on Saturday like, oh, I'm going to go punch someone in the mouth. But it's a way of, uh, of them like reinforcing their ego, you know? And so they, they have a, a real, um, they have a real incentive to seek out a fight, make a story. And if they use race to bait you into it, then that's what they'll do, right? They'll use whatever they can to justify it to themselves um, that they were justified in starting a fight with you. Yeah. To be honest, John, I think you're totally right about that because it's like a lot of sort of things if you go into the dodgy areas, say Liverpool, Togstuff, Kirby, etc. And even in places, say like fancy places, say Cambridge, in our times you used to have still the dodgy places and say places in Arbury which were all the chads hang out. And like you said, it was like most of the times the confrontation were like with, again, the chads, the working type people, and like you said, something to prove they got nothing else and like you said violence is the only thing that they can display some sort of power and then like you said as you transition as we sort of transition from eventually like you said from working class into say like up and up a bit and like you said most of the stuff actually when it comes to say middle class to upper class is not really going to be much of a big deal like you said someone's throwing a hissy fit and you can let that go, to be honest. But like you said, if it's a working class person, they've got nothing else. And like you said, looking for the fight and looking for a story is the best thing that they've got. But I can yeah. definitely agree with you on that, on the change of environment as well. And like you said, some of the kids, whether it be white, black, etc., it was sometimes it's just like you said, due to their home environment. They got anger, they got frustration, and that needs to get pented up. Like you said, at 10 yeah. years old to say 16, 18 year old, it's really hard to control your emotions and to figure it out and talk it out. The only way you can really express that is in through violence. And, and you know, man, I'm like, uh, I'm, I, I'm also, uh, I have the great fortune, the good fortune, I should say, it's not great. But, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a bigger person too. I'm a bigger guy, generally speaking. And just from that, like, I already get, other than the guy that wants to, you know, you know the whole saying like you go to prison you find the biggest guy and you get in a fight with him it's there there can be that dynamic but for the most part you know people uh that's it physical size is enough of a deterrent yeah like so i I, you know like i don't really want to i guess what i'm saying is that my experience of how severe bullying and harassment can get is going to be different because um, yeah, they, at first they look at me and they go, oh, he's going to be quiet. He's going to be weak. You know, they try and test me a little. And then they figure out, oh, they were wrong, right? And at that point, uh, they would start to rethink things. Exactly. Um, yeah, but for somebody that's that's smaller, uh, it's not going to, they're not going to be so easily deterred. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. I think, so, like you said, for the most does. part, it's like, like you said, maybe you get in a, a little fight or so, and mostly, like you said, it stops at that, and at most it stops, honestly, at shouting matches. For example, yeah. like I said, with our, our neighbours, when we were young, I don't know why, but um, he liked to try and bully my mum. She's only like five foot two, so she's not the biggest person in the world. 
and he tried to pick on us when me and my brother were only like four and say six or whatever. But once the time my my brother started getting bigger, like six foot plus, at like thirteen year old, there was one part when we were driving, say back up to see family. He flipped the bird at us. My brother just went mental. He jumped out that moving car, opened those doors, didn't even shut that door. I followed through him, and my dad's still driving a car with two back doors open. And we jump out of him, and he was shit scared. My brother goes mental. And then after that, apparently nothing happened after that. And then apparently as well, I found out that he said that my brother was bullying his son bullied him so bad he put into like um to see a psychologist or whatever to get therapy and i didn't actually realize because i was doing shit to him too my brother was doing shit to his son too because his dad was trying to bully our mom right and then that's the same thing yeah but as we go in a fucking yeah it's family first it's family but then we came out on top but then after that it's like that was the biggest confrontation, but nothing actually came to a physical fight from it. And after that, yeah. that's ended. He's like a decrepit old little man that can't do shit. And me and my brother are just basically taking the piss out of him wherever we see him. That's uh. So my my like uh my point about the experiences being for different people, right? Um, that's kind of gets to the harder matter why I get so upset about these attacks. Yeah. Right. Because they're they're never. I mean, that we talked about this. They never, ever attack people who will pose an actual challenge. Yeah. And they that, pick on all the, 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 the vulnerable. Exactly. And that's exactly parents. what makes my blood boil, too. Oh, speaking of that, did you hear what happened between, I think the fighter's name is Brian Ortega and Jay Park and Korean Zombie? Okay. No. So apparently, um, uh, this Korean Zombie and this guy, I think his name is Brian Ortega, had been feuding because Korean Zombie said that Ortega was ducking him, and then uh, Ortega like threatened Korean Zombie or something. Uh, but so they were at a fight recently. Uh, I mean, not not fighting each other, but watching a fight. So Ortega does not attack Korean Zombie, but apparently when Korean Zombie was like in the bathroom or something, he uh, slapped Jay Park, you know, the the pop star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like oh yeah tough guy you're gonna, you're gonna fight the pop star but not the actual fighter <laughs> oh man that, that's i mean that, that's a great example of that right what there did, right uh, what, did, what happened i don't know i just i just saw like things on twitter uh so i don't know the oh, whole okay. story but you know that, that's another example of oh you know the tough guy uh actually not fighting a real tough guy uh just picking on somebody he knows yeah, that's true is, but is like you said i think yeah. that's nicely transitions them to like the next segment isn't it it's about like you said yeah yeah so I why do to... they bullies always go through like you said the, either the passive ones either like you said they're going for the elderly they're going for like the fobs who don't really know the customs in society yeah so i want the listeners to get your backgrounds and i'm, I'm very curious how this informs your reaction to these things we're seeing and uh, I think what we want to talk about is the actual like Asian American uh, reaction to this, especially uh, these certain types of Asian Americans, often in like the media or the activist circles, whose gut instinct seems to be apologizing whenever Asians exactly. get attacked. Uh, so here's a, here's a great tweet thread by Jay Caspian Kang, who I think is like one of the actually few decent uh, mainstream Asian Americans in the media. Uh, he's uh, I think he clears his 
tweets every two weeks or so. So these are deleted, but I, I screenshotted them. So <laughs> I will read them. And I think he's so dead on in this. He wrote this article recently for NPR called uh, When Xenophobia Spreads Like a Virus, which is about the rise of attacks on Asians because of the coronavirus. So I'll just read his whole tweet thread. Been thinking about this quite a bit, and I've come to the conclusion there will never... There will be no instructive, edifying, or sympathetic conversation about anti-Asian sentiments because A, nobody cares, and B, we can't talk honestly about any of it. Anyway, better to make jokes in public and text one another in private about what's actually happening. No need to get cancelled or, like, get hysterical. Nobody asked me to write about coronavirus and anti-Asian violence either. Completely uninterested. The DA of San Francisco... Uh, Chesa Budin just decided to not pursue hate crime charges in a case where you can hear I hate Asians on video. San Francisco is like 35% Asian, but Chesa has national ambitions and therefore understands that Asians don't matter, so who gives a shit? There will be dozens of incidents of violence caught on video, and as long as the attackers aren't literally wearing MAGA hats, nobody will care. We can write every op-ed about microaggressions or discuss representation in media. Doesn't change a thing. Our parents were probably right. Go to a good school, get some job that will pay you well, even if they'll promote some dickhead over you. Invest wisely and turn your back to politics and trying so pathetically and desperately to be accepted. The upwardly mobile media-friendly Asian is constantly compromised by things he or she knows 100% to be true and what they think they can say in public without compromising their liberal credibility. And in this way, they, myself included, are a form of traitor. We all know this. For example, every Asian person I know, even the wokest of the woke, thought Harvard discriminates against Asian applicants. Nobody would say it in public. Why? Because tweeting about Hollywood and boba is really easy, but disrupting the veneer of vague liberal politics is hard. And this is the last tweet. There's no honest path for us in mainstream liberal politics. Either join the leftists so our poorer people can have health care, join the right-wing Chinese Americans who love capitalism, or get, or just get rich. But let's stop pretending. It's about to all get very obvious. So um, I'll, let, I'll let you guys chime in. But I thought that tweet thread, I've been thinking about it a lot. I, th- I think it talks about a very core fundamental Asian experience in, in that we are not allowed to talk about some very obvious things that we observe. And the ones who police us immediately the most are other Asian Americans, often who run in more elite circles with like elite white or even like non-white people. And I th- and it also made me think like there uh, you know Asian Americans uh, have a reputation for being apolitical. I mean, I mean the idea that Asians uh, as a race are apolitical is totally bogus if you just look at the history of both like modern and you know ancient Asia. I mean Asians go crazy, you know they'll cut off leaders' heads and all that shit. So don't give me that Asians are apolitical shit. But I think Asian Americans are apolitical and, and people think it's because we don't know about the issues or whatever. I'm now more starting to think that it's because we know more about American society that we decide to be apolitical because it's like uh, we're not going to get any protection or uh, concerns from anywhere. Obviously, you can't go to the xenophobic right, but even if you go to like the liberals, they're just going to use you whenever you know they need an Asian mascot to justify just outright racism when Harvard says, yeah, Asians just are genetically have inferior personalities or some shit. Uh, and even if you go to the far left, there is a long history in American socialism and the whole white working class dominated uh, dialogue that Asians undercut wages, uh, Asian countries are an economic threat that threaten American white middle class prosperity. So it's like, okay, why should we care about politics when everywhere we step is, is a minefield? So 
All right, I'll let you guys. I'll let you guys uh, chime in. I, I was I was really happy to see the tweet. I'm I'm kind of disappointed that it's been cleared so soon. I think a lot of people. I will upload the screenshots uh, uh, in the show notes for this podcast, so people, if you if you ever need to reference or whatever, go there. Yeah, I mean that's great. I'm really glad you got the screenshots. Yeah, the internet same. forever. Uh, but uh, I I would have liked to have it stay up on his timeline. Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, he still is a well-known figure. Uh, he has a lot of um, he has a lot of followers. I think he does. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I mean, he has yeah. a significant reach either way, and uh, it would have been nice to see it up on the timeline as a uh, as a statement on uh, sort of his commitment to this, right? To put it out there, yeah, and have his name on it. But yeah, it, it's a. Uh, it, it I, I would say that from my experience, it feels like we we knew, I don't know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but um, I, I get the sense that we already know that our, pre- our presence, our opportunity here in America, I was just speaking about America here, is already so uh, fragile that we're playing a defensive game from the get-go, right? And I think when you adopt a defensive mindset uh it's going to inform many other decisions like do i pursue this confrontation uh even if it means potentially risking my business or potentially risking my immigration status do i talk back to my manager even though they with a company that i work for controls my visa right and if you have kids you have a family to take care of it's even more complicated and I think you just, uh, if you know you're in that, in that kind of environment, uh, I think very naturally you're going to make the types of decisions where we're going to say, turn the other cheek, try not to worry about it, just keep your head down, things will work out, uh, rather than standing up and trying to advocate or advocate for ourselves. But that's the difference between, say, a first generation and second generation, right? The second generation, we're born here, we're told, hey, this is your country. You deserve to be here. You should be treated like every American. And that really, uh, that really conflicts. And when we do come across a confrontation that's racially charged, um, depending, uh, you know, I, I think this is really depending on your, your, like the cult, like what your family, what your home, uh, what should I say? Like how your family operates, you know, different, different families have different approaches. Um, the, the, you know, my family's, my friends' families, uh, probably would tell them, you know, like, don't worry about it, just ignore it. Um, try and avoid them if you can, but don't escalate the situation, which I think is, um, uh, doesn't always help. I think it's, especially for, for young men, I think there is a certain line where you, ha- you have to draw a certain line in the sand and say, like, nope, like, you want to talk shit, some of the, some of the really trivial shit, I'm going to let go, but there is a line that you cannot cross. And you have to be willing to enforce that line. Yeah, John, you you brought up uh, you brought up a good point about like first versus second generation Asian Americans. Did you see that? Did you guys? I'm I'm sure you guys have seen that video of there's uh there's this guy. I'm sure he's a recent immigrant. I mean, he he just like kind of like gives off that vibe, but he's just like smoking a cigarette, and some guy just splashes water yeah. on him. Oh yeah. But then that guy, that uh, like you, will chases that guy down and just beats him up. I thought that was a very don't give a fuck first generation asian american attitude i think yeah 
to be honest, I think like ZOX, uh, Chris, the whole, that whole video is, encompasses like the attitudes Asians actually need to take on more. And actually not shy away from. And again, as John pointed out, did you see that before? I think as, once he starts getting that other one in the ground, someone else starts getting involved, I think, as well. Yeah, no, he, he, and he just kind of like kicks him, but it's not even a, uh, He's not even like really in the fight. He just kind of like nudges him with his foot. It's it's the it's the like most bitchy move you you'd see. It's it just yeah. yeah whatever. But anyway, I bring up that fight because John, you brought up this idea that second generation Asian Americans, we do have this more uh, ownership identity of this country. Like, hey, we were born here, therefore you can't do this. Because I think first generation Asian Americans do have this uh, I- identity of of being more of. Of like yes, they realize they didn't grow up here. They maybe therefore be a bit more deferential. Yet on the other hand, I think second generation Asian Americans are also neutered by the fact that we are more aware of the whole polite liberal racial politics in which uh, crimes against Asian Americans don't matter. I think that's one of the great deterrents for Asian Americans to not fight back. Because like if anything bad happens to us. Like no one's really gonna stick up for us. Like you remember that video? Yeah. I think it was like last year or two where. Uh, some MAGA guy on the subway uh, just starts talking shit to this Asian dude and nobody says anything until the Asian yeah. guy starts uh, standing up for himself and everyone's just like, whoa, whoa, everyone everyone, calm down. You know, that that's the kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the, the public will not be on your side uh, if you... I think for for certain, certain groups, certain segments of Asian Americans, second generation Asian Americans, I think, yeah, like you said, there is a learned... Uh, I don't know if learned helpness this is quite right, but the, we do kind of muter ourselves. We believe we buy in to the idea that this is a lawful society and that laws will protect us, right? Because that's what we're taught. And um, I think maybe because we're born here and we have this sense of entitlement to, uh, or, or you could call it ownership uh, in America, we kind of believe that it should just be given to us. Whereas perhaps if you're a first generation coming here, you already know I'm going to have to fight to get my spot here. You had to fight just to get your, your plane ticket here, to get your visa here. And then once you get here, you're going to have to fight to keep your spot. Right. And so some, you know, there may be a difference in mentality there in attitude and approach. I don't know, to be honest. And, no? Yeah. I don't know on your side, but I find that quite interesting to be honest. I think I've found that there is a change with the new mainlanders coming over to the UK. They're definitely a lot more vocal, a lot more willing to push back, etc. But during our times, it seems like the, like the first generation immigrants that came over, like my grandparents, etc., they were trying to fucking survive. So like, like I said, yeah. once you start the takeaway business, like these racist piece of shit, so fuck, you're fucking customers. They're not one actually you depend on as your bloody lifeline. So I think right. that's where, well, at least in Britain, the Chinese stuff is like to keep your head down, etc. Don't rock the boat. Initially came from that, and they think because they were surviving, like, oh, we made a life from it. But you were just fucking surviving. You weren't thriving. And then you pass that on to your kids. So like, then that's how the mentality goes up. Even if you, like you said, you make it into the middle class, you still got those learned behaviors about keeping your head down because that's allegedly what works. But then, like you said, now you've got the younger generations coming in. The younger generation seems to want to start thriving. So they need to make to stake their claims. But no one's taught them and given them the skills and the tools, etc. And how to do that. 
So like you said, initially we take the moral high ground because that's what the logical sense would do. Like I said, we go to the laws, etc. We don't push back because, like I said, we've quote got things to lose or whatever. But we don't actually just take it at face value as like humans. When someone disrespects you, you've got to push back, whether whatever color you are. But we, as Asians, I don't think we have the learned tools or like the necessary experiences for a lot of the times as well, just because we've ignored it for so long. Yeah, but see that that moral high ground thing is just putting the best polish on what we know it to yeah. be. I think a dark reality, which is that Asians simply don't matter uh, politically. Yeah, especially, there, a, there is no political like, to be honest, relevance. I would say it's a fucking coping mechanism. Exactly, it's a coping mechanism. It's it's a way to make our uh, known helplessness at least give it a little dignity. Oh, we have the moral yeah. high ground, but 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 we don't end. Um, I mean, there there were some reactions in, in the San Francisco video, for example, with the homeless man and the cans, all the all the young kids ganging up on him were all black uh and and predictably some of the first reactions to come from you know asian american activist types is um okay i i I guess this is bad asians but uh don't you forget you know we are complicit in anti-blackness it's like that's like what does what the fuck does that have to do with anything and 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 mind you and to be clear I was going to say, this is brought up even when there are actually no black people involved. Because you remember that bullshit that Jeff Yang pulled when uh, David Dow was assaulted on the United Airlines? The first thing Jeff Yang tweets out is, okay, like, okay, Asian Americans, uh, remember, this is what, like, black and, like, Latinx people go through every day. So uh, let's keep them in mind, too. Like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? So this is not even when black people are actually involved. This is constant like ver- just spineless begging for acceptance that and these basically the Americans do. We can't complain about anything unless we're we're perfect. Yeah, I'm not sure that's, what. That's like you said, I'm not where sure how this shit comes from because, like you said, it's like, oh, well, I know exactly. Make sure from. we're like we're quote the good Asians. Oh, people have got it worse from us. And it's like, I think some of it as well. I'm not sure how it works in with you guys in North America, but down in Britain, it's like. You play off your Asian-ness, your Chinese-ness. I think Chinese-ness, especially with most of them, was something to be ashamed about. And then things sucked. And then so if we start pushing about, like you said, pro-Chinese things or pro-Asian things, you just get, you just get like, gaslighted with everything. And it's like, go back to your corner. So if you've got no way how to deal with it, etc. And like you said, you just fall back on the time routines about, like you said, we've got it good here, we should be grateful, etc. And we're not even fucking pushing our own agenda, even though we're yeah, right. If we allowed, or to. even just standing up for no, exactly. Because, because you know what happens when we push uh, our agenda, then other people get mad at us. And these these reactions is preemptive blaming ourselves, even when we're we're actually getting like like assaulted uh, for clearly racist reasons. Yeah. Is that signaling to to all the other groups? Well, oh, you know, don't, don't worry, we're we're not gonna get, you know demand anything uh because we know our place it's very precarious you know once we st- you know, exactly. whether on- we're coming from the fucking like position of weakness like you said it's like it's kind of like oh sorry we're, we're causing a bit of a scene we know like there's more people that have got it worse than us and like you said i just don't know what they're fucking doing like john said you as a human being if you get start shit start out you push back 
you draw your lines somewhere, but I don't know. With most Asians, we just don't seem to have lines. Well, yeah, because like say on the, on the liberal side, like, the conservative side is obviously so fucked up that we know why. If you're like a an Asian trying to survive in in a socially conservative environment, why you would not want to bring up race and stuff, especially your Asianness. That's plainly obvious. We really don't need to talk about that. Mm. But on the liberal side, which is the, the whole system, uh, especially if you're in a, a social justice type of uh, environment the whole thing is predicated on on hierarchies of oppression and as soon as you start trying to uh change that you're going to upset a lot of interest groups uh you know because you know it, it's a it's a competition for resources for attention um you know for access uh whatever so uh that that's why uh, all these you know liberal activist types will constantly be reassuring our the coalition allies essentially Oh, don't worry. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna speak up and oh, so and, basically and we're unified order. by like oppression Olympics. But then, like I said, if that shit's not working, it's like, like I said, like what Teen says, um, what you've said, Chris, what Jong said, what Jess said as well, and Diana, is it's time to just not give a fuck and just be unapologetically you. Right, right, but but Will, you're assuming but that I'm not these sure people... like where. We can maneuver with that too, though. But but see, here's the thing: you're assuming that these uh, Asians actually want ha- identify with the, with the whole group of Asians, but they don't. They actually, I think, have a deep, uh, just uh, just kind of like loathing for, hmm. or or maybe just just an embarrassment. Maybe loathing is a little uh, strong a word, but I think they're deeply embarrassed by like fobby Asians, by by lower class Asians, the, the kind of Asians. Who who live in uh you know the the more working class type of Asian um in, uh, environments. That's why you got these goddamn you know Ivy League educated uh, academics, uh, activists, like writer types, and you know that they don't really identify with those people, and and they just kind of see them as a burden, who are bringing them down, embarrass them. Uh, well, in front of their their white and and non Asian peers, and, and see, this is what pisses me off so much about these types of people who always talk about Asian privilege. They pretend that it's they're doing this noble thing of indicting themselves, but notice that they never actually uh, question their own the advantages they got. It's always when they, when they talk about uh, Asians benefiting from say anti blackness, they're always talking about say uh, you know the 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 fobby elderly Asian couple that runs like a like a nail salon or something. They're not talking about themselves, the the the, the media class or the, the academic class. So if you want to talk about benefiting from anti-blackness, by which they also mean benefiting from Asians being seen as more amenable to white culture and all that. Uh, talk about yourselves, you know. Talk about how you got that fucking job at uh, as a BuzzFeed editor or something, because because you're you're seen as a a nice, uh, cool Asian or something. But they never talk about that. They always play the fucking blame on on like the Asians in like like Flushing or or Chinatown. Yeah, exactly. It's like we're punching down. But then that's the thing, yeah, like you say, dogs. Exactly, and it's like how the fuck do we change this? Because like you said, all the people that have the power to change this, all the, like the Asian representatives we got. A lot of them are fucking self-sabotaging us, and it's like, what the fuck do we actually do? A lot of the time, yeah. it's like we support them because they're the only ones there. Is it? No, we don't even support some them. Some representation or bad representation better than no representation at all. 
I guarantee you, like majority of Asian Americans don't know who to, who these people are and don't care. The, their main support, what little support they have, is by their uh, essentially the, the white people who allow them to exist to be our spokespeople. But they don't actually. No, nobody. The, the majority of us don't even actually care. I mean, we care just because we're like kind of in the same sphere. But you know, you, you go you go to your average like Asian American on the street, they're not gonna exactly. know who these people are. We're in the fucking minority here, but then it's like you said, it's like how do we change the attitudes? And that's something that I'm still scratching my head with. I, I think uh, there's a I, man. The how do you change the attitude? Like that's that's a big question, right? We're we're trying to do that uh, for all sorts of behavioral change exactly. across society at every level. Uh, but I mean, like, man, I, I, I think you got to start small. I, you can't like, I feel comfortable getting into a confrontation today because I've been in so many, right. That it's like, I don't want to call it like a second nature or anything, but I, I, I am comfortable enough with confrontation to get into it and to stand up for what I, what I feel I deserve, um, to stand up for myself and my interests. Right. Yeah. But like I have friends who are so accustomed to just taking what is given to them and and not asking for more even if they are entitled for more. And I, and it's like it's like the stupidest things, man. Like some like the fast food place gets your order wrong. And uh and it's not like oh they forgot to put cheese when you ordered cheese. You know, like they just got your they got your order completely wrong. And um I've had friends that just won't even think they won't even consider going up and saying hey uh you got my order wrong i'd like you to fix it you know they'll just eat what's given to them and uh, i think you know if there's varying levels right some people are so uncomfortable with confrontation of any sort that they can't even imagine asking for what they ordered yeah right? and, and but my point here is like you gotta people just gotta get comfortable with it and um i don't know like i'm not trying to say like oh we should go out there and get into arguments and but these these like one i think you'll find if you have a reasonable uh assertion most people will just accept it right you don't have to go in there foaming at the mouth and be like you fucked up my order just be like hey (laughs) i paid for this you guys got it wrong make it right I think, like you said, it's initially starting small, but I kind of think, like you said, it's like some of us, like the more vocal ones, we've got to start being like the the role models that someone can at least emulate. Yeah, precisely. For example, yes, take, absolutely. Precisely. Taking from my example, it took my me persuading my cousin, like you said, just as four years, just so he has his own opinions and formulates his own thoughts. Like yeah. before, he would just go with everything and anything. And like you said, yeah. it's just, like you said, allowing people and showing them like you said this is something that can happen within reasonable measure and like you said you can push back to certain things and it's like you said just allowing people to get more comfortable and acclimatized to that and it's i just think it's it's more the vocal ones of us we've got to allow them to um show them how it's done but in like you said a reasonable manner and escalate that up as it goes it's uh that's that's definitely in my opinion a really crucial part like uh i i'm uh, i don't probably even said it on the podcast before a couple of times um that's uh yeah those of us that are that are more comfortably vocal we can make space for others right mm. we talk i mean you hear about this in all sorts of social justice uh discussions as well like making space for others um well we can do the same for ourselves 
right? Somebody says like an off-color joke, say something. Yeah, and like right? you said, it doesn't uh, even have to go, I'm going to knock you out. It's like, I don't find that shit funny. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. And like you said, you don't have to go mental about it. Like you said, you just got to voice your opinions like, I'm not happy with this thing. You better not say it, do it next time or say it next time. And then like you said, it yeah. allows other people to go, oh, he managed to say something without actually things blowing up in epic proportions. Therefore, it allows other people to see, oh, maybe I get to say things that I'm not comfortable with. And like you said, it kind of snowballs from there. Exactly, exactly. Like I, uh, you know, in, in various um, organizations, which ha- what have you, you know, I'm going to anonymize things a little here. Uh, I have, uh, I've noticed, right, that like when I first joined, maybe there's a couple of other Asian people, uh, maybe there's just one or two, and you don't hear much about it. But then I start talking about what I'm watching, what I'm thinking about, what, you know, what's on my radar. Um, and, and, and then pushing back on the things that make me uncomfortable. And it, it, it makes, it encourages other people to start participating in these conversations themselves. Yeah, I think that's totally right, like you said. And I think this is what I like to call like the everyday superheroes, like you said. <laughs> it's like you start things at the ground and you start encouraging things. You start allowing people to formulate their own opinions, etc. Just like you said, be comfortable for asking what's this. And drawing the lines of things that they're not comfortable with. And that's what I kind of think. It's like, it's more the everyday superheroes that need to kind of show themselves, to be honest. Uh, one of my pet theories, uh, pretty much well, the, the reason I, I, I write, you know, whether for Plan A or otherwise, why I do all these podcasts is, I think there's a big, uh, big portion, maybe even majority of Asian Americans out there who do uh, see the bullshit that's going on. But they're just never acknowledged um because you know stuff like this happens the only uh spokespeople we have are these like bullshit artists and that just creates this culture of distrust and fear and even you know how sometimes when us yeah. uh, like an asian person says something and the person who gaslights them immediately is is like their asian friend and that friend who actually gaslights yeah. them might even uh not even believe what he or she is saying but they think oh you know what if we acknowledge this it's gonna get too dangerous people are gonna get mad at us so for your good i'm gonna try to talk you down and say oh you know what that probably wasn't racist or that probably had nothing to do with race you you know what it's like though you know what it's like it's like you go to a party and nobody's fucking dancing and all it takes is for you to go out there and start dancing and then people like oh okay this is actually so with like something like plan a we i wanted us to be that dancer the the ones who may embarrass themselves a little bit at first because there's nobody around, but you got to get the party started. Someone's got to get the party started. And I think people with experience, whether, whether it's like physical combat or hell, even like, uh, you know, verbal or, or literary combat, that is, that can be just as powerful, you know, just like, it's like you said though, I think it happens. It happens on all fronts. Like you said, some part, some people, you've got the more vocal boisterous ones. And like you said, sometimes you've got the more intellectual ones. And honestly, like Jong said, it, it all comes down to defining your own boundaries. Which things are you uncomfortable with and where, where are you going to draw that line? But then it's also, like you said, where do you actually want to fight? Do you want to fight physically? Do you want to have your feet, foot, feet on the ground? Or like you said, do you want to do it online where you're more comfortable with that? And I kind of think as well, we got to understand, like you said, what's our preferences, what are our strengths and what we're good at. 
an act to that as well as like you said cutting down these like I don't know self sabotages or the ones that keep sabotaging the whole team and minimize that as much as possible yeah and actually not try to shame the people like you said if someone that likes are more comfortable being on Twitter someone else likes to like you said interact with people on the ground I wouldn't call someone out that likes to do their stuff on Twitter because right, it's just right. as important just as important I feel than me talking to my group of friends my group of Asian friends and trying to build relationships yeah, where they're more comfortable yeah it's like whether you and you know sometimes it might just start with you talking about it with your friends uh before who uh you never really talked about this maybe uh to, in your group of friends being Asian simply meant you know getting hot pot and going to karaoke uh but there has to be more to it than that. And I think that is what's really lacking in Asian American culture. I'll yeah. share this anecdote. Uh, it might initially seem uh, non-related, but I, I guarantee you it's related. <laughs> um, so um, my parents uh, always are always trying to like set me up with the, like the daughters of their friends kind of thing. And I mean, like I, I, I'm resistant simply because there, there's like a geographical barrier. Some of them live in Korea. I'm like, I, I don't there's no prospect of me going to work wow. there. So like, I don't know what you're trying to pull here, but, and at a certain point I started getting worried in that, do they think that I just don't want to be with like a Korean or even Asian woman? Do they think I'm this like whitewashed Asian American who only wants like white girls? I'm like, no, I, I don't want them to think that. Huh. So uh, like sometime last year, I, I, I sat down with them and I, I really don't talk to them about, you know, race and stuff like that. But I told them actually, I don't want you to think that I don't want to be like a Korean woman. In fact, my ideal would would be like a Korean American woman who understands and can and can, with whom I can talk about this like the, you know, all this like racial shit and and cultural and politics. That's all uh, informed by your racial experience growing up as a second generation or maybe even like third generation um, a- Asian American. And guess what? I thought they would be happy because they would be like, oh, you know what? That that means there's this like deep uh, basis for you wanting to find like another Korean partner because beyond just uh, because we told you so or whatever some like superficial reason like you you'll both eat kimchi or, or some shit like that but you know what they actually got mad yeah they actually got mad and the reason they got mad was oh so you, you just want to find someone and you're just gonna be miserable if fighting a system you're gonna lose and they're like, don't be like that, you know. Just, 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 just be happy. That that's how you win at life. You you just make money and and live a nice life. That's how you win. And I, I think that's the difference in mindset. Yeah. I think that's that difference with. And what pissed me off about that was, oh yeah, it's easy for you guys to say that because you ultimately, well, well, we grew up in Canada, so they're not even American. But in terms of like North America in general, you don't really feel ownership of this place because because even though you did spend a big chunk of your life here. Uh, you spent your formative years in Korea and that's your identity as it should be. I'm not saying that you should have like assimilated more, but this is like the world I grew up in. This is the world where I demand to be fully respected. Um, and that's not to say I'm one of those uh, stupid Asian Americans who say like, oh, I was born here. I'm different from the fops. No, that's not what I mean. I'm saying that uh, I'm not going to just let people around here uh, just silence me or deny our our experience and say it's worthless that we we have no political valence or whatever fuck that you know and my ideal partner would be somebody who understood that because she also grew up living that experience didn't read it from a book didn't didn't adopt it because it's like the polite liberal ideology or whatever no like she feels it in her bones because she lived it 
but my that actually pissed off my parents and i think that's probably a fair chunk of first generation asian american parents they're probably like wow why are you getting mad about that you know like america's is like always going to be racist just just live with it just just find your little corner and and just live well and i mean it's what worked it, to to right? a certain extent but also like my parents moved yeah. back because they they didn't they ultimately didn't feel like they belonged in canada but it kind of like it kind of explains like you said with your parents experiences is kind of like why i came up with like you said your parents or our parents experiences like I said, that to me is surviving. Whereas you're now transitioning. Like you said, you this is your home, and this is where now right. you're starting to thrive. You're trying to thrive here, like you said. But then the whole thing also shows like opposing views, and like you said, either unintentionally or maybe intentionally, is causing some self sabotage within our Asian dynamic groups. But then it also points out the thing is like I said. It's like, Chris, you're fucking brave. Like you said, these are your values that you want. And these are the values you're, you're trying to strive for. But then, like I said, it needs a lot of fortitude to carry on pushing these values through. Like you said, the whole fucking team with, say, plan A, etc. It could have been really easy just to back, back down. This isn't working. But you have grinded this through in the whole team. You've brought on different members. There's more people coming and going it's like a bloody sun and there's more people it's just growing and snowballing and other people have got their own platforms etc now and it's literally yeah. just due to the fortitude of some people yeah well uh, thank you so much for saying that but i will counter that uh, as much as i love uh and i'm sure jong also loves being called brave and having a lot of fortitude my life has gone so much better since talking about this, since like starting Plan A, since doing these pods, John, you, you probably feel the same way, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is actually, this is what I want to say. This is actually the easy path because the other path is miserable. You're just going to like shut yourself up. You're going to have this, just like this shit eating grin on your face uh, the whole time. And you know what? It's like, yeah, you fight, you might get uh, knocked down, but you know, you put up a fight, people are going to stand with you and hell, you, you all might get knocked down together momentarily. But you will have people beside you, which wasn't true before. Exactly. Yeah, it's a different set of challenges and a different set of costs. But like you said, to me, that's a better alternative. Yeah, because either way, there will be a cost. Like this fantasy that uh, going along to get along is going to lead to bliss is total bullshit. Just, just you know... Look, look at like the 50 year old or, or like 60, 40 year old Asian Americans who really tried to assimilate. See how happy they are. You know, I, I, look, exactly. at, I look at those people. Well, I'm talking about in terms of you being brave. Like I said, how many people around us or around you guys thought the same as you? How many people actually were willing to support you when you said, I'm starting this thing or I want to talk about this and that? How many people were actually right. opposing what you wanted? And like you said, is you pushing and pushing until you find some people that were in the same mindset as you in the same group and like i said in the amount of time that everybody done like i said like um path of most resistance you got journey to the west you got like i said happy yeah. asian males etc and in a lot of this you connect up like i said with i would argue most of it plan a's been a big platform with a lot of them, like you said, because you got your voices out there, and people were like, I can get behind what these people are saying. And then yeah. this brings on more things. It allows, like you said, 
allows people to open up to speak about these things. For example, like I said, Mark was championing the issues with Asian adoptees. I had no fucking idea about that until he started bringing his voice. And then, like I said, you've got the Writers Fund and they're bringing their own voices in with the other adoptees. And like you said, there's all sorts of issues that no one's been talking about. But it's taken that one person or that couple of group of people having faith in themselves to move forward and to believe that they'll find other people that think the same as them. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would challenge our listeners to have these conversations within their own social circles. And I bet you'd be surprised. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening because it's literally, I've, like I said, I thought I was on like by myself type of thing. And then initially getting into like, like said, the whole quote Asian identity type stuff, figuring where I actually stand. Until I started yeah. finding a platform with Plan A, like you think your articles are way more articulate than I will ever be. Like the thoughts and the processes coming with you is a lot more organized, more logical. And I was like, oh shit, these people think the same that I do and are going through the same struggles, but they're trying to do something about it. And like I said, it's like, how do we get get involved? Because even this, like I said, I was quite perplexed why you wanted me on the pod anyway. But it's like, I've got to step up. I've got to show my own side of the story. But there, like I said, luckily there are platforms nowadays with people pushing through, whether that be on Twitter, whether, like you said, making their own podcasts, whether they're making their own YouTube channels. It allows people yeah. to think about this stuff and speak about these things. Yeah, and you coming on the pod is a perfect example of, you know, people who are stepping up. Because I remember like 10 years ago, there would be... Uh, you know, this was like this was like the early age, I guess, of, of the internet in some ways, and you know there would be like podcasts here and there, but people were really afraid to go on it because they were like, oh, I, I don't want to talk too openly about uh, race stuff as an Asian. What if somebody like recognizes my voice and stuff? And now it's just like, no, uh, let's just do it. Cause as I said, um, it's not like the alternative is any easier. It's, and, and that's what I want to put out there. Right. It's not like you're doing this difficult um, and paying this sacrifice by talking about it. In fact, you're doing yourself a favor. You'll thank yourself. You'll be exactly. saner. You will be better adjusted. You'll meet great people as opposed to you shutting up. Um, I guarantee you, you'll be miserable. If not now, 5, 10, 15 years from now. It's also, you know, it's not always, uh, the calculus isn't always that, that in depth. Um, I think there's a measure of, uh, of a bystander effect, right? Um, there, there have been times where I've talked to my friends about something and, and, um, yeah, I, regardless of what the specifics are, there is, I think, uh, an added, uh, sort of a position of, uh, an assumption. Oh, well, somebody will do something, right? Um, yeah, but it's on you. It's on you. Like you have the power to do it yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to, uh, it doesn't have to like be made into a movie, you know, all the, all the little things really add up. That's what I'm on about. I totally agree, but I can can see it from their own perspective. Like you said, with our conditioning, the way that we lived our lives, especially as like Asians or minorities, etc. You think like yeah. you said, even just speaking out, you think that that's a huge deal. And it's like something insurmountable where you're like, I don't think I can do this. All you need is someone like giving you a hand on the shoulder and saying, you got this. But then yeah. it's the whole thing, like you said, it's just being unapologetically you. Like you said, 
when you don't like something, you just tell them to sod off. And then, like you said, if you call your own values, etc., you're like, this is my values. This is what I believe yeah. is important. And I think, like, like you said, the community such as this, like you said, everything else is like, here's a little spark, here's a little light that you can go to instead of you just wandering around in the dark, which I thought is probably like the most significant thing as well. You've got loads of other people got the same ideas, etc., want to voice out their opinions, but they're like, there's no one that stands with me. At least now you've yeah, got some sort of beacon where you can rally around. And I think that is so one, important. Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. That's, uh, that's one thing I wanted to touch on was uh, the, the knowledge that there are other people who have the same thoughts as you, the same positions as you, values as you, is really powerful in encouraging uh, in, uh, in encouraging you to take that leap. Definitely. Right. It's a leap of faith. Exactly. Ultimately. Right. Because I was going to ask, like, I don't know how you felt about it, but I felt for the most part, I was on my own. Like I didn't have an older brother. Um, I have, a, you know, I of course have friends, but there were just a lot of situations, um, where I just found myself by myself. Yeah. Right? And uh, I, I I dove into it head first like an idiot anyway, but other people might be a little bit more cautious and think, okay, if I don't have immediate backup, I'm not going to get involved. I think right? that's true because, like I said, it's like, I think the one most driving factor to me, like I said, I had 100% support from my mom, my dad, my brother. Like you said, for me, it quotes all this badassery, etc. Like you said, it didn't come naturally. I was a chubby little fat <laughs> Chinese kid. I would literally like start tearing up and welling up after like someone would raise their voice at me. Anybody. Yeah. I would start almost breaking down in tears. But then like you said, yeah. you need a support group. And like you said, um, I can probably kind of emphasize in the, say minority populations where there's not a good support network because it's quite similar here in in the uk to be honest there's lots of suburbs lots of small towns where heck even cambridge now which is relatively quotes a large asian population there were 20 of us in the school 20 of us in the whole school so like you said if everybody else is splitting off like you said I want to say something, but with the whole societal conditioning, the way your childhood experiences um, kind of like reinforce certain things or shape your experiences, like you said, it is difficult to stand out. It's difficult to stand up and to say something. And that I can totally see behind when some people are just too scared. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if you're, if you're one of those people that are comfortable, uh, standing up for someone else, right? Like, I think you should, even if they're not, it, maybe even, it's, I don't know, I don't want to say especially anything, but even if they're not your friend, right? Like, yeah. even if they're a stranger, you should, you, uh, maybe should might be a strong word, but I would encourage people, I don't know, I, I have a strong sense of justice. Same. And I so kind that's, of that's stand why I with you as well. There. Like you said, if any sort of sense of injustice or so, but like you said, 
Me personally nowadays I do have to admit I've got some more biases towards say the Malaysians that come here the mainland Chinese even some of the Koreans I'm starting to see come here now and it's like it's like I feel how like confused you are especially going to a new country etc to me when I'm talking to them I'm like you like I said you're pretty brave you go into a new country a new environment etc and like you said someone needs a helping hand and like you like Chris said um sometimes we self-sabotage ourselves oh I'm I'm not like those fobs it's like a lot of the times it's probably your parents were the same as you or if not your grandparents and it's like why don't you give someone a helping hand what's there's not that much effort needed and to be honest as well from half a well more than the experience that I've had for helping out some of the Malaysians some of the mainland Chinese and some of the best friendships relationships and experiences in communities I've ever had you just did the right thing right like imagine like that's that's your mom that's your cousin that's your your sibling right wouldn't you be happy if somebody stepped up for them so like why would you know you if you are if you're lucky enough to be in a position where you can do something like that, why not? Instead of just watching it happen. Exactly. Because like, I've been in a lot of situations where people literally were just watching something happen. And maybe, you know, someone after says like, hey, I saw what happened. That was really fucked up. Well, hey, thanks for telling me after. You could have done something about it when it was actually happening, though. I would appreciate that a lot more. Exactly. And I think, like you said, maybe it's a general societal thing with the bystander effect, but that sort of bystander effect is so prevalent in the Asian communities and like I said that is something that we need to change but it's it's like I said it's got to be the vocal people etc that are more comfortable with that is starting to push that change and make make it yeah there was a uh, incident uh last time I was in New York actually um I was I think I might have told uh Tina about it too um I don't think it was racially based that's not why I bring it up um, but, uh, you know, I got on, uh, I got on a train with some friends. We had our backpacks. Um, we were in town for a few days, you know, so, so they weren't small. And this woman, I guess she was just in a bad mood or something. Um, but the train was like basically empty. Uh, there were seats all over the place. And this woman just like started like getting up in my, like literally my back was against the door, the other side, right? Yeah. And like, I could still feel her jacket on my t-shirt. And, uh, you know, she's talking shit about like, you know, all these motherfuckers with backpacks, this and that. Uh, and was like, you know, I should throw my, I should throw my soda in your face. And I was like, you can say it, just don't do it. Right. And that was like, just even, just even saying like, Hey, don't throw the soda in my face was taken, uh, as if, I don't know. It was a challenge. Like they took it as a challenge. Right. And, um, what was interesting though is that all sorts of, not all sorts, there were, there were people as it got escalated because it was an argument with a woman. Um, you know, at some point there was an older man and he steps in and, and, you know, it, under the guise of diffusing the situation was protecting the woman. Right. And yeah. this was, this was an in-group uh, form of protection in my experience, right? Um, 
there were other Asians on the train, but no one said anything, right? And like some of that, I'm a guy, so I I know that I'm just not going to get the same amount of societal protection when it comes to these kind of things. Um, but uh, but I think that pattern is a lot more common than we think, uh, and and like I don't know, I've talked about this before, but but like when I went down to to LA. Uh, where like race can get even more heated down there, right? I mean, you have full-on gangs down there. Yeah. And um, some of my experiences were really different. And when you when you experience what it's like to get community support, uh, you feel the absence of that community support as well. Yeah, and like you said. Community support makes a whole world of difference in how you can be empowered by it. And like you said, the lack of support, you could basically be neutered. But then like you said, maybe it was a racial thing, maybe it wasn't. But then like you said, for the most part, like you said, if a minority starts chanship, for example, a lot of white people would chime in and go, oh, that's not right. So even say if I was a white person, I was like, chanship to someone else, the start gets heated. A lot of the time I'm quite confident some other white person will help step me up, back me up. Whereas like you said, especially with the Asian communities, since we're all conditioned to keep our heads down, not say anything, not rock the boat, you've got no backup. And But sometimes you got to be comfortable not having backup to stand that ground. Because then, then eventually, even if you stood that ground, it's like, it makes twice as like, I can't chat. I can't chat too much shit against Asians now because they're starting pushing back. I'm gonna think twice. Like you said, for example, I had some dude. I was at the train station in London, asking me for money. I was like, I got nothing, and he came away and he's like, Oh, fucking chinchong. And then, like I said, I go back to him and go, say that to my fucking face. Come here. And then, potentially, like you said, you gotta watch out about escalation, etc. But most things, like you said, it comes to a nothing. It's not too much, but then he's thinking twice, oh shit, I can't collect money from Asian people anymore. Because he wasn't collecting money from white people or black people in London, etc. He was collecting, he came to me, he came to other Asians. So eventually it makes them think twice, it's like, oh, these sorts of people got teeth now. Because like I said, I can't drop the N-word on a black person. Because for the most part, someone's going to hit me and knock me out. So, so you're saying there needs to be a minimum level of enforcement? <laughs> yeah. Also, I wanna, uh, I also wanna just jump in. I know, Will, this is not what you meant, but I think a lot of Asians, when they hear something like, "Oh, we're conditioned to keep our head down," it, it, they start thinking in very uh, race or cultural essentialist terms. Like, oh, is there just something about in the Asian gene or the like Asian cultural gene that just basically makes us wusses? And I think that's a very dangerous mindset and i think that that's what society wants you to think and you are right in the sense that we are conditioned to do that but it's because uh of this thing we see around us where nobody sticks up for you not even other asians that's exactly. that's where it comes it doesn't come from fucking confucius or or yeah. laozi or some some mystical like deity in in some religion no that's this is definitely something i agree with you chris 100 percent. like i said it's not because of a certain culture etc like that it was just because of our environment we're just trying to survive initially and that's nothing to do with what race you are you're not going to bite the hand that feeds when you've got nothing like john goes back to if i'm an immigrant i've got a visa 
if my visa gets calm screwed so therefore I've got this so much stuff I need to take before that visa doesn't come feasible anymore and like you said there's so many lifelines that a lot of us that rely on and take into account that we can't rock the boat or we think that we can't rock the boat and like you said it's not a genetic thing it's not a race thing it's not really a culture thing yeah yeah and that that kind of uh, impression gets shattered really quickly if you just get to know people who grew up in the hood like that they, they don't asian asian families asian crews whatever uh there are many that do not shy away from yeah but i think i think a lot of like so, the you know the asian americans that get promoted to as i said spokespeople status they, they live in their own little bubbles they don't know those people and you know they're, they're allowed to spout off a lot of just nonsense and people um just start thinking that's actually fact um there's this one thing i also want to say i don't i want to see if you guys have noticed this too but there's this reaction i hate that uh, asian americans and just like asians in general do when these attacks happen and it's this very um kind of pathetic why do they do this to us you know why don't they like us i thought i thought we were so nice to them i fucking hate that uh attitude and i think it's enforced by uh, I mean, we, we see this in the, most notably, like so the Harvard admissions uh, racist bullshit. But this idea that, like, Asians aren't likable, and I think that they internalize, that that reaction is a manifestation of, of just internalizing that so much that we think that uh, if, unless we go out of our way to prove that we're likable, we kind of deserve this. So that when it happens, it's like, oh my God, what what happened? You know, I thought this world... Uh, if I if I'm just personable enough, um, they they think that's where it stems from. It's like no, it doesn't stem from that at all, um, and it's just such a sad, spineless reaction. And uh, have you guys noticed that kind of that kind of reaction at all? Yeah, yeah, I've had that. A lot of justifying and coping mechanisms, etc. To be honest, that's just what it falls under to me. Yeah, because. Yeah, it's just like who cares if they like you or not. Like as soon as you see that happens, especially since okay, like if say like uh, an Asian American uh, Republican multimillionaire uh, get, gets like something happens, and not that we should condone that, but if then you say, well, you know, he, he like he or she is like a complicit of, of the racist system, or something. Okay, that's some like some basis, whatever. But you're seeing the most vulnerable people in our in our group getting attacked, and your reaction is is to kind of blame them. How fucked up is that? So, you know, to hell with this, just this, this weak reaction that that implies that that unless we rise above our uh, default Asianness, uh, we kind of deserve this. Exactly, and that's why, I kind of like I said, to me, I despise like that logical, fucking moral high ground position when, like I said, things aren't just do shit. Like I said, stand your ground. And it's that, yeah. to me, it's all those, like you said, the whole coping <clears throat> me- mechanisms about it, etc., just made my blood boil. It's just an excuse to not do anything, that's the point. An excuse yeah. to be active and be passive. I, I, I wonder if there's a, um, if there's a, a tendency, whether we realize it or not, to sort of see these incidences as happening to someone that is not us. The, uh, and by not us, what I mean is that, uh, we don't we don't immediately make the connection that that could be us or somebody that we care about right like you're re- like if if that was some if the the 
elderly Asian man in San Francisco, right? Like if that's your grandpa, you're not talking about anti-blackness in the Asian American community. You don't give a shit. Like that's not, that's not what you're going to be caring about. Right. But maybe there's this element where we're like, Oh, um, they're in, they're in other, like, you know, cause we've, cause like Chris, you, I think you might get what I'm talking about. Like we've, We've talked about how like second gen Asian Americans don't see themselves as Asian sometimes necessarily. Well, I think right? they think of themselves. I'm sure they'll they'll consider consider themselves Asian. Um, well, I know that, but, but I think they think of themselves at the same time they, not. They, right? I think they partition groups uh, within Asian America, and there are certain groups I think that they are at best kind of embarrassed by, and at worst, I think they actually hate them. I think, like you said. It kind of like shows and highlights the fragmented community, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. All these issues, like you said, um, fobs versus Asian Americans, um, Asian males versus Asian females, etc. Um, working class versus middle class ones. Like you said, it just shows yeah. how many problems that we've got leading to this fragmentation of splinter groups in different tribes and this prevents us from actually making a unified front also this is not unique to asian yeah. americans we have to get that straight this happens to every uh minority group and, and it doesn't even have to be race you know say like lgbtq community all sorts of these yeah, divisions true. happen what is dangerous for asian americans though is that we are relatively new most of us uh are actually first generation uh if you're considered an American with relatively deeper roots, you're probably only second generation. I mean, there are, uh, you know, five, fifth generation Japanese Americans and, you know, Chinese Americans and, you know, Filipino Americans, but they're kind of rare. Uh, majority of us are relatively new to this country. Therefore, our culture is not that well developed. Our identity is also not that well developed, which is why it's so easy to divide us. Yeah, that, I agree with that. Okay. Um, so, so any final thoughts you guys want to have? Uh, th I think this has been a really good discussion. Uh, Will, my God, what what time is it there right now in Cambridge? It is. It's four o'clock. Don't oh, worry. Damn, I'm still man. quite wide awake, running on water. Not too bad. Didn't even need the coffee. Yeah. Today is the spring <laughs> forward too. So you know we're all a little. Like, uh, yeah. I, I guess that. Oh yeah, you have time changes. That, that might yeah. be why we're we're not that tired right now because our bodies still think it's it's an hour earlier than it says I don't know, I'm not yeah. too bad. I used to stay up like four o'clock and then get up at seven o'clock. It's not healthy for you, but like you said, I don't really care. I'm really glad to step up and join you guys, get involved in the conversation and get involved in moving things forward. Mm -hmm. But I think from the whole thing, it's kind of like I said, it's, I think we as Asians, we just got, it's very confusing and I do get this. It's very convoluted. Um, like I said, there's various experiences that shape us too, but it's more just going out there, going out through your life, defining certain boundaries, defining your own values, etc., and what you actually want to strive for. But then it's also, like you said, it is trying to reach out to other people, etc., trying to be a role model, like I said, an everyday superhero, to encourage people to emulate certain behaviors or just so that they're comfortable in speaking out, etc. And like Jong said, sometimes it doesn't actually have to come for fistfights. Uh, something about standing up and pushing back is literally just voicing of that you're not comfortable with certain things, or these certain things 
that you won't stand for. That all comes down to what sort of values define you as a person. Whether that be race, etc. It's just you as a person. And until you start finding out what sort of values define you, you can't make those rules of where you draw your lines in the sand. But then, like I said, eventually as well, it's like, we do need to start encouraging more people to speak out and get communities together. And like I said, this is why something, when I first came across Plan A, was so fantastic. It's just getting all these people together and actually not putting them down. Like I said, supporting them in whatever avenue they got. I think that's the main thing as well. Is For example, if you want to be that doctor that earns six figures, etc. But if you still want to push your agenda, you could start funding some of that money that you've had to certain communities. And start spending your places, for example, at the Chinese restaurants that are having hard times or something. Or for example, um, we know what just with helping people sort out their CVs and do promotions, etc. And it's whatever avenue that you want to support. It's but that's the thing. Whichever avenue you you want to support is to go a hundred percent in it. And that comes down to defining what values you have, what values and lives that you want to bring. But in every facet, you you've got something to bring to the table. And you've got an avenue that you want to support that just happens to also support Asians, etc. Go for it. Yeah, like, well, really well said. Go for it. Um, Jong, any last, uh, any last thoughts? I think uh, you know if I have to sum up our attitudes, uh, the, you know, some of the attitudes we were talking about. I think a lot of it is um, coming from a place of wanting to be liked by everyone, right? Um, and I would just want to remind people that. Sometimes you'll get more respect by not being friendly, you know? It's not like you have to go out of your way to, like, try not to be friends with people, you know? Uh, be, be chill if you can. But there's no, like, you may be surprised. There's a lot less harm from drawing lines in the sand than you might think. And you might even be surprised. Some of my, uh, I have actually, I have actually come out of fistfights with a friend, right? Because you... You, in a stupid, you know, these are stupid fights, of course. Uh, but respect has a funny way of, um, of changing when you stand up for yourself, you, you stick up for yourself. And, uh, people, you know, people learn, people will respect you more, uh, if you're not trying to be friends with yeah, them. Yeah, there are, and, and the sad yeah. thing is, there are a lot of people out there that are not worthy. Uh, of you trying to get them to like you and once you and and once you stop like you know supplicating uh before those people actually more people will respect you because they also realize that person's not worth shit you know uh so if you're trying to make everyone like you chances are nobody likes you so you got to get quality people to hate you that's yeah. my point <laughs> is that, that, really? is that okay <laughs> you, you gotta have like a, a high quality of enemy and that you don't want like quality people hating you. That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say that uh, you want to have a you you want to have like a good enemies list. Like the quality of pe- like I, I'm botching that saying, but you know you know that saying where it's like <laughs> you can judge a, a person by by whose enemies they are, they are. So if if shitty people hate them, you realize that's a good person. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, huh. yeah, I'd say uh, like I you can't said. Say I'm familiar with that. And uh, don't un- <clears throat> don't underestimate the the value in 
pushing back on small things. In fact, some of the people that get get their way the most um, push on on the smallest of things, and that's how you get used to asking for the big things. Yep, that's some sound advice. Like you said, definitely if you're scared of initially a bit anxious because you never dealt with confrontation, like you said, stand with the small things. I think that was the biggest thing that allowed me to grow and get comfortable with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great way to conclude this pod. So, Will, I want to thank you so much for joining us all the way from Cambridge, UK, and uh, Jong also joining us from California. Although that that, that makes it sound like um, like New York is is like the center of everything here. So I don't mean to make it. Sense. Yeah, get over yourself, man. <laughs> All right, but, uh, Damn, you New Yorkers are so egotistical. <laughs> yep, but thanks for joining us. So we'll see you yeah, next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Have yeah. a good night, everyone. Thanks. And then join us next time for another episode of Escape from Plan A. Goodbye. Goodbye.